Surprise! Welcome to a very special Halloween episode of Midweek Matinee, our very first Halloween episode. Quite literally. Very first year of existing. I'm just saying, it's our first. In case anyone found this like 10 years from now, they wanted to make sure they're watching an order of Halloweens. This is the first. Oh, that's okay. Hold on. Are we only going to watch the Halloween movies on any Halloween and they're always going to be like... A no, episode? what we should do is I watch this. A good idea. What we should Halloween do every year. <laughs> no, yeah, we watch the same Halloween movie every year. <laughs> so, just to clarify, we are watching Halloween by John Carpenter from 1978. Yeah, well, not, that, not that other Halloween. Not any of the other Halloweens. Not Halloween Rob, Two Robbie. or Halloween H Two O or Rob Halloween Restarted or Halloween been. Resurrection or Halloween Three <laughs> or Halloween Michael Myers Last Stand or, or Halloween, Halloween Town. Yes. No, this <laughs> is Halloween Town. Oh or shit! Th- I watched the wrong movie, guys. Sorry. Or the That's Sisterhood right. of the Traveling Halloween Pants. They're basically the same movie, so it's fine. Dude, I would have loved for the Halloween Town movies to have ended up having like canonical ties to. <laughs> the Halloween movies, yeah, I they really should have just put together all their super villains for one movie. Like, I wish we got in a Freddy versus verse, you know? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'd what, love why to see all of them come up? Wasn't that the big rumor for a long time after that? Was we were going to get like Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from Evil Dead? I, I think feel so. like I, I think it was rumors, but I don't know if there was any actual like, oh, we're actually talking about this type rumors, no. or just I people know. want this to happen type rumors, you know? That time kind of passed, right? Because like you had the Freddy versus Jason and then Alien versus Predator. It's like everybody was really into the idea of pitting eighty character, like eighties characters against each other. Yeah, just for it to kind of die off very quickly. Yeah, well, I think because that, most of them weren't good. Like Freddy versus Jason is enjoyable and I like it, but it's not like a great movie. It's, it's also the highest grossing Freddy or Jason movie, right? I don't know. About it that. might be. I, mean, I don't, I don't know. Positive that it's the highest grossing one. It could be. I mean, it came out prime time. Yeah. So people. Do you were know how much movie Rise, that, so. how much money Rise of Skywalker made? Uh, that, no. that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that's not. I'm, that's not I'm what just he's saying. saying. <laughs> you just saying that it that did well. I know. It did and if well, it did well, so you'd expect to see more. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not but, real sure. I I would love to see more of the villains like face off like that because Freddy versus Jason had some really awesome ideas. Yeah, not, and we're not talking about either one of those villains or that movie. So. <laughs> but yes, well, <laughs> good movie. The whole thing is, is that I do like the idea of Michael Myers in that universe. Yeah, like know? Michael Myers going against like Ghostface from Scream. That would be so good. fun. Are you kidding me? See, now if I'm being honest, I always thought it was weird that it was Freddy versus Jason because I thought it was such a more fitting match to put like put Michael Myers against Jason. Definitely would be. I agree with. It's probably just rights and shit. Jason is notorious for having terrible like rights for this stuff. Like the game has now been put on hold. There was supposed to be a board game at one point or something, and it got put on hold. I think it finally did come out like a month ago, but it was on hold for quite a while. And there hasn't been a Friday Thirteenth movie since the what two thousand nine remake. So there's just a lot of issues with that series for some reason. Yeah, I don't know, but it just always seemed like I remember when I saw Freddy versus Jason, I was like, it's a cool idea, but it just seems like the weirdest 
pair up that you could possibly do to start with. You think you'd do like a more sensible pair up and then maybe do it to where <laughs> it'd be more funny if the movies were like a, uh, you know, like a tier. Like, okay, well, Freddie won this one, so we're going to move <laughs> Freddie forward. <laughs> like a competition. <laughs> it's, it a, it's a Mortal Kombat crossover. <laughs> <laughs> it's just them in the Mortal Kombat. Freddie versus Scorpion versus Jason versus uh, Sub Zero. Hey, <laughs> that actually might, you, you might be onto something there. I just I, want a Sub Zero versus Chucky movie. Why? I don't know. It'd be fun. <laughs> no, fair just enough. two of the I, most random fucking characters that I could think of. It's Tucker and Dale versus J- Jason versus Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! You t- you turn so, Freddie and you turn like Freddie and Michael Myers in one movie and just do it to where they're like they're like a buddy team against another buddy team. What if Tucker and Dale are hunting Freddie and Jason, and <laughs> Freddie and Jason are just trying to hide the whole movie? Hey, I'm in for it. I would watch that. I'd watch it. I still haven't seen Tucker and Dale though. To be fair, so I haven't either. I know what it is though. I wow. want to. I need to. But so I guess we can start kind of with just your history with Halloween and slashers in general, just to kind of get an idea of where you come from. Uh, Brett, you want to go first, buddy? Sure. Um, I've seen most of the Halloween movies, including the Rob Zombie um, attempts at reboots, uh, yeah. which I think did really well with the first movie and then really bad with the second one. But, you know, um, I'll, t- I'll say like, I've seen most of uh, the Halloween series. I've not seen near as many of the uh, Friday the 13th movies or um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I've seen both the first movies of each of those series, respectively. Um, yeah. And while I think that they're all right and like they're moderately fun to watch, I don't know if it's that they weren't as accessible. Because if I'm being honest, like I always thought that Halloween was a little over the top and just ridiculous. And definitely when you're watching them as a kid, it's just like every time that they kill. Michael, it's like, oh, the next movie, he's also back. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it just gets to be a thing where it's, it's almost like a running joke. Um, so I don't know, but I yeah. do have a history with plenty of them, but I wouldn't say that I have just a huge affinity for them. Like, I was excited for the basic premise of coming back and doing a sequel to the original Halloween that we're watching right, you know, that we're talking about today with yeah. the 2018 follow up. I hate the naming convention, stupid. It's still called Halloween. They should have called it Halloween 2. They could, I mean, even if you just want to give it a surname, Halloween, Michael Returns, or fucking something. I or don't Halloween, know. the sequel. Yeah. The issue, to to get off on a tangent um, real quick, the the timeline for Halloween is just fucked all around. Yeah. I'll pull it up here to be positive. But so Halloween 1 and 2, the original Halloween 1 and 2, are sequels, like direct sequel. Mm-hmm. 2 takes place on the same night. It's just Laurie in the hospital or whatever. And then it goes four, five, and six, because obviously three was about the masks and Michael wasn't in it. Yeah. I remember that Halloween 2 was like a direct follow-up, and I always thought it was weird that whenever they started talking about Halloween 2018, that it was that it had to be a direct follow-up to one. And that doesn't really make sense, because if I'm being honest, it being a direct follow-up to two makes more sense with what they ended up doing in the story of 2018 to where she's like extra hardened. It's because she's had constantly this fear of him coming back. And I think the interesting thing about this movie is it doesn't really set itself up well for the events of 2018. I think two contextually would end up helping a little bit. Two would have helped for sure, but fans notoriously don't like two because it changed the situation between Michael and Laurie Strode completely. Mm -hmm. So, 
in the first one, they're not brother and sister. They have no mention of it that you have no idea. In the second one, they said, oh, you're actually a sister and you were put up for adoption or whatever it was. Yeah. And Which everyone actually, hated that. Like everyone did not like that and they thought it was terrible and it ruined the franchise and stuff. And so I think they were trying to go back onto that. Yeah, I'm going to back off for now, but that actually brings me into something that I think this movie severely lacks uh, that two actually addresses. But we'll get into that as we keep going. So yeah, my history with slashes in general, I think that they're fun and I enjoy the basic ideas of them. But I've always kind of had this idea that whenever you put a slightly more sharp eye to any of the slashers, they start to fall apart pretty quickly. And that's kind of just, it's disappointing because I feel like there's no reason that these movies can't be done in such a way, or at least definitely the ones like Halloween, where it's a very grounded character, except for a few key mistakes, in my opinion. There's no reason this shouldn't be able to work out in a way that feels grounded and real and lets you work within this world. Whereas when you start introducing elements like, you know, Freddy coming back, even though he's drowned, there's clearly a supernatural element to that. There's clearly a supernatural and weird element to um, I mean, Freddy's supernatural. Freddy. Around. Yeah. So when you look at all that, it's those make a little more sense. And I think are a little easier to forgive. But I think in rewatching this movie, it caught me that there's a lot of things that end up ruining the very otherwise grounded nature that this film could have gone for. And I think it would have actually made it a better movie. But that's my starting point. I think the first one is very grounded. I, I agree with you on the sequels. And we can get more into the timelines and the sequels after you know we hear from Chris and then I mm -hmm. say my piece about it or whatever. But Chris, what is your history with Halloween, the movie, and just kind of slashers in general? I like slashers, but I would say that I don't think I've ever seen a good slasher. Uh, except Hush. That's oh, a good slasher. Hush is good. I mean, I I'm like assuming we're, we're talking about like the big four of Jason, you know, Chucky. Well, no, Freddy. I mean, any, any kind of slashers is what I mean. So that counts. Sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, the thing with especially the big 80s ones with like the almost mascot slashers, you know, <laughs> I don't think any of the movies are good. They're just kind of the same reason I like Marvel movies is they're just spectacles and they're fun to watch. You know, sure. like every even the new Friday the 13th movie that everybody hates. I watch that movie and I'm like, yeah, it's fun to see people die. Yeah, that's why you, watch <laughs> like, them. you watch them to see yeah, people die. <laughs> right. That's, that's it. Like, yeah. let's be honest. All those movies are for is to see boobs and to watch people die in ridiculous ways. Yeah, like, that's it. So See, I think and I think I'd agree with you more, but that goes back to my thing about this movie in particular. Those almost became the key elements in like a mockery way. As the movies got on, they became more ridiculous killings with less real reasons and then more boobs. This movie, despite having all of those hallmarks to some degree, is actually really restrained. And I like that element because of all the ones I've seen, it feels the most pulled back. But then a few times it tends to ruin it. I mean, as a whole, I think you're definitely right. But I actually think that if we're going to look at the thing that Halloween, right, is supposed to be the game changer for the slasher movies. Like it was the one that came out and kind of changed the way that people viewed them and how you did them. Well, there was only a couple before, really. Like it yeah. was kind of the, it wasn't the start, but it was definitely part of it. Like there was, it, it, um, it was when it became like something that was an inspiration for future works, more or less. Like it became a, a hallmark. Yeah. Cause there was Texas Chainsaw before. And, um, sure. What's it called? Uh, 
Black Christmas was before that as well. So yeah, but I think the big problem with slashers is like, or is that they end up falling into this trap of like we need to bring back the villain. So then they start getting dumber and dumber. Like nano machines bring Jason back to life so that he can kill people in space. Like that's ridiculous. But at the same time, Jason is killing people in space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, so that's my thing with them. And like this, you're right. Is like, this is definitely the most grounded and the most, um, it's, it's, I think you would consider this cinema if you were being pretentious more than you would consider like Jason X cinema. Mm-hmm. But I'd argue that Jason X is significantly more fun than this movie is. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not a bad thing. You know, yeah, Jason X sure. is more fun than prisoners. And I think prisoners is a 10 times better movie than Jason X. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. like it depends on what they're going for. And like you said, with this one, it's not going for that. Right. It started exactly. to kind of in the sequels, which a lot of the sequels, they're crazy and out there, but they still try to have grounded explanations for why he comes back and stuff, which mm-hmm. I can get into in a little bit. But it's still like this one, especially like you said, it's quote unquote cinema or whatever. Like it's very tense and drawn out. And the stalking is like the m- majority of the movie. Yeah. I mean, there's only what, like four kills in the movie. Yeah. And like yeah. almost zero blood. Right. I think the most blood we see is the um, tow truck guy in the bushes with blood on his chest. <laughs> yeah. Just interesting. Like they're shooting for a PG 13 rating with this one, which I guess that did they get, I don't remember. No, it has too many tits. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good point. And yeah, and you know, I think I, when I was watching it, there was a couple of scenes. I was like, I'm a little surprised in a both ways. Like I kind of like it and dislike the restraint and showing blood. Um, because I feel like a couple of scenes could have the blood is still not being excessive, but just being there, I think would have added to the the spectacle and the grandiose like nature of what's going on. But I do think that this is kind of one of those examples of when you're the trailblazer for something like this, I can only imagine how hard it probably was to get what they got through the ratings board already you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. like people sure think that if you rate r that you can do whatever you want but th- the truth oh, is, no, is that yeah. you still have to try to stop from being adult only yeah 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 there was the 70s were notorious for like exploitation stuff like the last house on the left and the hills have eyes like some early craven stuff but mm-hmm. but yeah like this was one of the first that really brought it to like a neighborhood you know with like oh it's safe here it's a suburban neighborhood and you know, nothing bad happens here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, dude is stalking and killing people willy-nilly and just, you know, again, it's more tame than a lot of the later ones, but still, I mean, four deaths in one night in like two houses is a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, but, I would not be happy about that if that was my neighborhood. Right, yeah. <laughs> the fucking and, property value is going down. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you all ever heard the story of the guy who was like apparently had... It was a good neighborhood, but he would go out and a guy moved in beside him. He said, like, in the middle of the night, every now and then, you would just hear a gunshot. And uh-huh. one day, he happened to be outside when the neighbor came out and shot the gun, and he asked him what it was. And he's like, oh, it's just so we can keep the property value down so that nobody gets priced out of their homes. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> oh, That's pretty great. So, Chris, what other... Have you seen all the Halloween movies, or is this the only one, or what? I've seen this movie... The new Halloween movie, the Rob Zombie movies, and the one with Buster Rhymes. Okay, <laughs> that's so my some of the best and the worst. So you've gone to both sides of the spectrum 
respectively. So I have, and I I actually <laughs> like the Buster Rhymes Halloween one. That's the thing is that movie is so bad that it's entertaining because you see yeah, people know, die, man. you see tits, and Buster Rhymes says karate. There's not really it, much more you need to sell me on the movie. <laughs> I think it surpasses the so bad it's good into so bad that I don't want to watch it anymore. Like Why? for me, yeah. but I'm also a huge fan of the series, and it's such like such a departure. You know, found footage type yeah. stuff. It's it's certain parts, and I don't know. Well, that's the thing about having a, a franchise that goes through so many decades, right? Is that yeah. things start to get popular. Blair Witch Project comes out, and everybody's like, "Oh, Shit. okay, let's yeah. try this a little bit." And a, in a way, that's fun because it lets a character that's been around forever have a new spin. But sometimes it doesn't work very well. Uh, but yeah, also, would, going back would, to your remark about the, you think it surpasses so bad that it ends up being funny. I think that you're viewing that in the wrong order. I think that what the way that movies end up working is that they're intended to be good, but then they could be so bad that you just don't want to watch them. But then they can swing so far past that that it just becomes fun to watch it. Maybe so. Maybe it's to the left or to the right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, Chris. Would you say that that's what it is for you? Is like certain movies are just so bad that they are actually bad, but then certain ones swing so far to being bad that when you're watching it, you're just having a great time? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know that I've ever watched... I, I'm, not, I'm lying. I've seen Into the De- Into the Blue, which is a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> but Isn't that the shark movie? I, all I know is it has Jessica Alba Oh wait, uh, and Chris Evans, I think. You're talking about Deep Blue Sea? That's the one, Deep Blue Sea. That movie I like, sucks. I, I, I like Deep Blue Sea. That movie fucking sucks. I walked out of it. I, I, saw it in, I saw it in theaters. That was a 2005 movie. Yes, which it's that be, movie. Okay, Paul yeah. Walker. It fucking oh, sucks. Oh, dude. And I walked out I like of that it. one, too. <laughs> I, I mean, I walked out. It was a long yeah, time. Sure. I saw it, like I said, I saw it in theaters when it came out in. Yeah. Oh, it's my God. It's a good movie, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But, um... Yeah, so if y'all are done saying your piece on slashers, then I'm going to move on to the timeline of Halloween and how interesting and terrible it is. Yeah, please. Can you run us? Are you going to run us through the entire thing right now? I am. It's not going to uh, take as long as it sounds. I know. So, I want it. I want details. Okay, okay. How so, big is ha- Michael's penis in Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Halloween 3 is the oddball, obviously, as I said earlier. It's about the masks. And the weird part about that one is that the main character is in a bar and Halloween is playing on the TV. So it's Ooh. like takes place in it's our universe. So it, it is, I guess, it's making sure you know, hey, this isn't ever going to come back to Michael because he's yeah. watching Michael on TV. So it couldn't. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's interesting because I actually don't mind that idea as just like an idea on paper, right? Um, yeah. The way that the human centipede ended up going about it with the human centipede too, even though I've not seen it, I really want to because I think again the idea. You're in works. luck, sir. Next week, no. (laughs) No! (laughs) But the idea behind the Human Centipede 2 is that in the Human Centipede 2, it's our world and someone watched the Human Centipede and decided to yeah. do a copycat version of it, but on a, a grander scale. And no, don't, I, want, don't worry about the second one. It's it's literally like a, just a <clears throat> shit fucking movie, no pun intended. Is it really The first bad? one is good. I like the first one. Like That's a shame because the idea movie. on paper works. It's just I, really bad. It's black and white, which doesn't work for that kind of movie. Oh, weird choice. Like, yeah, like weird choice. I love black and white. I like new movies that are in black and white. We watched The Lighthouse and praised it. So it's not that like, oh, black and white icky. But yeah, well, it just I didn't think work. that the the muted color palette of the first movie just worked so well. And I know that you could kind yeah. of pull that out and maybe try and make it a little more vibrant so that it feels more gra- grounded in our world. But I guess how did I, I mean, I know I don't want to get on a big tangent off of that, but I guess with Halloween 3, I remember that movie, but 
it's the good. one I remember I like almost it. the least. Um, yeah, it's what Carpenter wanted in the beginning. He wanted Halloween to be an anthology series, and every movie was different. But oh yeah, he they ended up rushing out Halloween two because one did so well, and so well, finally he was like, "All right, I'll write for the Halloween two, but I don't." So is well, that positive? He didn't direct two. I don't want to make this take too much longer, but is that the case? Because I was looking up some stuff, and apparently when the movie first came out, it wasn't really that widely regarded, and it didn't apparently do too well until a bit later. I don't know, because I know that Carpenter didn't want to do Halloween anymore. Like He he wanted it to be anthology or whatever, and then he wanted to go and do The Thing, which he ended up doing a couple years after, too. And so I think that they forced his hand into making two and be a sequel to the first one. Hmm. So I would yeah. assume that it had to do somewhat well if they were making him do a sequel. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think that he was being forced to do a sequel, but you know. <laughs> well, he wanted to do the thing. And the, yeah. so they were like, hey, we'll let you do the thing if you do this. It, obviously, they're not like, no, you're going to fucking do it. Here's a gun. Yeah, like, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll get into the thing anyway. But <clears throat> Yeah, which I've never seen any of the thing movies. So, Oh, wow. Well, interesting. So, okay. So Halloween 1, 2, 4, 5, and 6 is one timeline. And that goes into the curse. And like I was saying, how they tried to explain how Michael was brought back from the dead and couldn't die and all that because he was brought back by, by a satanic cult or some crazy shit. It doesn't work. It's not good. I mean, they're enjoyable movies as slashers. You get to see people die. But but again, it starts to... It, just with crappy. every movie, it removes it worse itself and further and further from its grounded roots. Yeah, Or exactly. more grounded. Yeah, for sure. So Halloween 1 and 2... And then H2O and Resurrection is a different timeline. So when H2O came out after 6, that's the one where they're in high school. It's got LL Cool J in it. And um, she's like a teacher, and her son goes to the boarding school that she teaches at. And then Resurrection is the one with Busta Rhymes. And then that stops. And that's the other timeline. (laughs) And then Halloween and the new one from 2018 is the third and final timeline. And obviously the Rob Zombie movies were remakes, and it's its own timeline off to the so they were just all over the fucking place with these stories and where they want them to go. Makes me think of Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it, did, it, it did well to start throwing some shit out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Assassin's Creed is anthology, so that's almost the original. What yeah, you the want original from, intention. Uh, well, it kind of is. It's like anthology that sometimes continue. You know? Yeah, there's always a through line. Yeah, but like Wreck, that series is all anthologies, but they all connect, you know? So. I have seen all of them, and I didn't. I saw the Rob Zombie movies in theaters, and I've watched the first one a few times. I remember not much caring for the second one, so I haven't rewatched it. Mm-hmm. But lately, in the past few years, I've been hearing good things about it, so I do need to get to finally watching it because I think it's getting a resurgence. As all the stepchildren movies end up eventually getting a part of the fandom goes, yeah, we really like this now. It, it's a confusing thing, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because like you have this original movie that kind of is the key basis for everything. I really one of the things I appreciated about Rob Zombie's first movie is that I think what it attempted to do was recreate the idea of the first movie but answer a lot of the questions that are essentially not bothered with in the first movie and kind of help further ground exactly what it is and i think that rob zombie's first halloween movie is actually my ideal take on the movie i just watched today which i've watched it before but you know when you're watching it with a different eye and i'm really just sitting there thinking you know it it is fun to watch like chris said like it's not a terrible movie i can watch it and i've watched it plenty of times but when you're really watching it with the intent of watching it and solely watching it 
it leaves me wanting. And I really like that Rob Zombie approached it, in my opinion, from a thing of like, here are a couple of things that could be addressed about the original while still keeping the spirit of the original. And I thought that was really cool. See, I love the Rob Zombie movie, so don't get me wrong here, but those are the parts that I don't like about his. Like, if I had to pick, like, nitpick some stuff, mm-hmm. I like this movie more. Like, it's, I would I almost put this in my top 10 on our episode. So, I, it depends I, on um, what you want out of a movie, uh, uh, you know, in the long run. Yeah, I think that I like the idea that nothing is really answered. Like, why is he after Laurie Strode? Like, we don't know. And I think that's partly why I agree with a lot of people with two having ruined that with him being her his her brother or whatever. So, because I think it's scarier to be hunted by somebody that has no connection to you. Like, why is they hunting me? Oh, I don't know. Like, it's fucking way more terrifying in my opinion. And then, I, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but it also his his singular obsession is like we go ahead and get into it. That, that's really where my problems start to come in. He his singular obsession with Lori and her friends group is what the problem comes down to me. And when you have him so focused on those people, and he's not going around and killing any of the other people in the houses, he's specifically aiming and looking and following these people it doesn't make sense for him to do it for that long and that hard for no real reason but in my opinion the way you make him a compelling character and make this an interesting story while still simplistic because it is a simplistic narrative right and my thing is that plenty of movies that i absolutely love are very very simple stories but the whole point of a simple story is that it allows you to actually go through and work out complex characters that make the simple story more interesting because you have a connection or an understanding of every one of the characters. And I think this movie fails in both those things because it's, it's a simple story, but there's also simple characters. So it just ends up kind of feeling like it's only there for the spectacle and to be, hey, a guy just killed a bunch of people. It doesn't really do anything. It doesn't say anything. The impacts almost don't even make full sense because it's just without any kind of motivation to me, at all like it doesn't even have to be that he's her sister it can be something simple of it reminds him of his sister or i mean you you got to give me some kind of reason as to why he's so singularly focused on her and the only thing the only thing that it says is because he was the first person she he which clearly it's also not true but she walked up to the house yeah is that enough yeah is that really enough of a motivation what about and if even if that is the motivation, go into it. Why was her walking up to the house? What did it trigger in you? But that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. he doesn't have conversations with people, and he doesn't Wait. like talk. So like, how would you get that? Well, see, you know what I mean. How would you get that from him? As it's an interesting adult? because the movie actually does try to go through this, right? But it just never actually says anything. You have these moments of uh, of uh, exposition between the doctor and the sheriff. <clears throat> And it's kind of trying to be like, oh, he's a bad guy. And that's why you need to be careful of him because he's a bad guy. And if you knew what I knew, he's a bad guy. And the thing is, is that you use the doctor, which is exactly actually what the Rob Zombie movies uh, attempt to do. You use the doctor who's been studying this person and seeing their reactions, even without words and have an understanding of what it is. And then you also explain like. I think another thing in this movie is that it doesn't make sense that the doctor is as scared of him as he is because the movie just sh- he just tells us it doesn't show us it just goes oh he's he's scary and I don't like him well why what happened in the in those fifteen years 
what is it about him that actually made you scared? What did he I mean, do? He, meant, he talked about it. He said that you can but look really does eyes and you just see evil. But like that's it. That's, there. that's not enough of I an example. I think that's enough. I, see, I disagree. But I mean, but that was where I was getting at. The doctor is the loop. He's the connection that you can use, and he's the person who knows him. And they go through and use that. And it's the person who knows him the most. So you use him to kind of offer up exposition, exposition of why, from what he knows, he thinks that Michael may be doing what he's doing. I think it adds to the movie instead of takes it away from it that we don't know. I think that makes it scarier, in my opinion, and more tense. I don't know. I enjoy that part. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't mean, really know how to explain any more that I like that besides I, saying that I like it. I don't I mean, know. It, yeah. I mean, if, if you just like it, that's fine. I mean, but, you know, for me personally, yeah. It, it le- and I think that if I was being, this is why I think two happened the way that it happened. I don't know if it was due to feedback of a critics or due to maybe, just maybe, John Carpenter himself mm-hmm. wanting to be like, he didn't have a reason. He needs a motivation. If we're going to keep doing this, we need a motivation for what pushed him forward to do these things. And we can introduce that with a direct sequel that continues on this night so that there's not a big gap in between. And we start to understand as we continue on this night why he's done everything he's done. Sure. you know, And there's a little bit of problems with that because it actually, if you think about this movie, one of the things I thought was a really cool moment, but it ultimately failed to do anything because, again, there's no motivation, is why he killed excuse me, why he killed Annie and had her set up on the bed with his sister's tombstone above her. It, again, it's, it's all it is is a moment that's like, oh, that's meant to be creepy, uh, creepy or make you think like, oh, this guy's just sadistic and crazy. But when, when there's absolutely no reason as to why his psychology would have led him to that, it just comes off as it was trying to be something that was edgy and it just kind of didn't land. Yeah, I guess so. What do you think, Chris? What are... um. Do you agree more with Brett or what? No, I kind of don't agree with him. I think it's more because of what I come to these movies for. Where like I would don't I don't give a I don't give a fuck why Michael is doing what he's doing because I don't want to see anything about Michael. Sure. I want to see him stab people in the head. And that's what I was getting at. I think it does depend on what you come to the movie for. That's the thing is like, does it make it a good movie? I I mean, arguably, I don't know what make something a good or bad movie essentially it's just does it's it, it or does it make it a good movie for what you went into it for and if you went into I it think for the, that then yeah you got what you needed out of it the best thing that i could personally say is that if this movie spent 20 minutes going into michael's psychology i would have gotten annoyed whereas this movie is very much like you're seeing his rampage you're not seeing the aftermath you're barely seeing the before so I think it's one of those things where if this movie was two hours, two and a half hours, and they're going into who Michael is, and instead of starting where it starts with Lori, it starts with Michael in the hospital, you know, and Loomis trying to talk to him and stuff like that. I don't think that the runtime of this movie has to change at all. I think that the dialogue you give the people during the scenes where you attempt uh, you attempt to brush up on this goes a, a little bit deeper, but essentially takes yeah, the same amount I, of time. Because instead, I guess, the, go ahead. I mean, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I guess I just I think the problem to me with what you're saying is, again, it's, you're not wrong. It would be nice to know more about Michael. But I think in this movie, especially a lot of the exposition that they do give doesn't feel forced. And I think if you'd gone any further than he's evil and you need to stop him, I'm telling you he's evil. Listen to me. I think that. Yeah, I think it works with Luma saying that. I think the only thing I could kind of come to your side on is maybe if Michael had killed someone else 
because we never see him find a body. So the the cop and Loomis are just going on faith, basically, mm-hmm. that that Loomis is alive. So I do agree that maybe they should have found another body of someone who died. And they're like, see, I told you this was happening. Now we need to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't need to know Michael's motivation. I don't need to know why he's so obsessed with Lori. Because for me, it's just he saw girls that were his sister's age and decided to kill them. Yeah. Like, to me, it just goes back to his sister. He killed and, people and see, who were his and, sister's age. And again, age. that ultimately would be fine. But even if that's what it was, even if the exposition was very simple and i think uh, you know uh, i think he's looking for someone to remind you know to relive that night that's a simple line that tells you everything you needed to do you know what i mean it's like you can have it be yeah, the very quick exposition that goes michael relives that day i just over don't think it's needed head. though bam well but the thing is personal I, I get where you're coming from i guess but the thing is especially in this movie is the whole point is that Loomis doesn't know why he's back. He just knows that he's going back to Haddonfield because his whole everything that happened to him was there. So Michael is going back. But there would be no way for him to be like, I think he's trying to relive the life because Michael never spoke. Well, see, this is why I disagree. And and again, when it comes into this, it's still a lack of, of sensible, real dialogue to me. But there's a specific uh, part where he's going through and he says, uh, he says Michael is inhumanly patient looking for this one night. And, he, and he, pr- he brings up that thing of like, I sat down with him and faced him to a wall and he looked past that wall and he he looked forward to this night and he's inhumanly patient. So clearly the doctor is referencing that he knew this was coming all along to some degree right. and he was trying to keep him back. So when you introduce that little bit of dialogue, but then you give nothing else entire, into it, it doesn't really make sense. All it is is, I, I, now it makes sense for him to go to the house. It does imply that there's something he re- he has a feeling of that Michael. Well, it's because his house is do, there, and right? it's because that's that's where he lived. But but why was he singularly focused on it, and why was he inhumanly patient? That's what I mean. You build it, half of it up and don't resolve the rest. Yeah, but I think I you're agree. looking into that line very literally because you kind of want there to be more. And this is just my interpretation. Very of what you're possible. Saying. Yeah. The words in your mouth. Because to me, all that sounds like is someone in jail who's go, who want who is looking forward to the day that they can escape. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I took it as. He's been looking for the day that he can get out. A lot of it is that there's dialogue in the movie that sets certain things up and then fails it in other areas. I, I would honestly probably be okay with that idea if it wasn't that the doctor spent so much time talking about how he's got no emotions, no nothing, no. Ba- he's he's stripped down to where he doesn't even have a basic notion of good and evil. And what's interesting about that is if he doesn't even have a basic notion of what's good or wrong, then he should be going around and killing everybody. But he's not. He's singularly focused. So it it, it gives you the um, implication that he does still have some form of emotion that is driving his choice. You don't know exactly what it is, and that's okay. But even if the doctor was kind of like, you know, trying to, even if it was just this game of the doctor trying to follow and understand what little emotions he still, he, he could potentially still have left, or even if the story was built around the doctor's inability to see him for anything less than an emotionless pit, you could have played off of these things and still kept Michael's side the same, but at least made it more interesting with the fact that you have a doctor who should be the one that knows him who doesn't because he refuses to see past michael as just a monster and doesn't even think about the mental side of what may be driving him and that could be your big mystery but it's not really what you end up seeing it's like there's a lot of implication that the doctor thinks something but it never goes any further so i guess what it kind of is is i do want more but half of the reason i want more is because the movie kind of brushes up against wanting to explain to you that there's something more instead of just either leaving those scenes completely out and just letting it be a fucking kill fest or 
putting him in there, but doubling down on making sure that they actually say something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think you're gonna convince us. Oh, and I don't think we're yeah, gonna. Convince no, you. I don't think so either. But that's I, just where I come from. Yeah, on it. yeah. Yeah, I guess my thing is more just like I don't really. I don't know. I don't know where you'd have those scenes that it would make sense. Yeah, it has to be. 25 minutes longer like the zombie movie is right that's what i'm saying where like they'd have exactly what i mean is there's have nothing to in it that i would cut yeah and the thing is like i think they to me they say enough where i'm like and i guess it's more because i listen to true crime stuff a lot right where i have this thing where i'm like okay well he's clearly going after the girls because they remind him of his sister or yeah. Lori. yeah well no his sister, his sister just judith yeah <clears throat> they remind him of her they're he targeted them because he's the first person they saw in Had- Haddonville. You know, he stalks her. So I think the whole thing is he wants he wants to stalk her and then he wants to kill her and he kills everyone in her orbit and tortures her because it was fun. And I just think Michael was thinking of his escape. So that kind of, to me, puts it there. But I think the big thing, if you take Halloween 2018, especially into account, Michael doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. So my, the doctor would never know anything about Michael. It, to the to the point where it almost doesn't even make sense that he goes to Haddonfield well, or whatever. You know, I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much about 2018. But one of the things I like about 2018 is they bring in the foil of the Doctor we see in the first movie with the Doctor's protege, who is so in, interested in what Michael's psychology is. Again, they use the fact that Michael's psychology is a mystery to make another character more interesting, and that's how you end up with a Doctor in 2018 that goes through and is actually taking. Michael to Laurie Strode's new house so that he can see how things unfold. That's an interesting character to think. Honestly, Halloween 2018 is a very similar movie to Halloween, um, the original, and but does a lot of the same stuff, but it doesn't try to introduce things for you to want to understand. It keeps all that quiet. So it ends up working more. And then you just get character motivations that are aside from Michael's that end up making interesting characters that revolve around Michael. And Michael just gets to be the stagnant character that he's clearly intended to be. I don't think sure. half those characters work without being a sequel, though. So you'd have to have this one for make for to make that one work. Does that mean you know what I mean? Oh, sure. But the, honestly, the thing is, is that since it's a sequel and it doesn't really build off of anything other than the fact that they have actually dealt with Michael one previous time, uh, in the Doctor's case, you know, for years. Ultimately, the reason that that sequel works better is because it doesn't try to even brush up against or introduce anything. It's just, Hey, here's this person who's had a run in before. Like, interestingly, I honestly think that Halloween 2018 could be your first foray into Halloween. And it makes perfect sense because it doesn't try to do much more than just, here's a guy. The exposition of the story is, Hey, Lori had a run in with him in the past. Even if that had never actually existed, if this was a brand new movie, this is a new character and you go, yeah. why is this woman like this? Why is she so callous? Oh, in her past, she had this situation and now we're getting to see it come to fruition. So I think it works naturally. I think that's a positive of the, just the slasher subgenre is that, you know, you could jump into any of them and enjoy it and then be like, oh, I guess I'll watch the other ones. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like jumping into like the 16th, you know, yeah, sure. Marvel movie and being confused about who some people are and the connections they have and stuff. Yeah, but even not as, a as intertwined, sequel, I guess. Yeah, but even as a direct sequel, I think Halloween 2018, like in my my ideal direct sequel, if I'm being honest, is more like Halloween 2, where you try to dive into since what Halloween 1 did was tickled against the fact that there's an implication that something is driving him, at least to me. So yeah. Halloween 2 is a good answer to that. It goes, well, okay, we need to understand these motivations. So if you watch the first and the second movie as kind of two halves of a single whole, then you get that explanation and it's just uh it's like a two-part movie great 
Sure. But if you're going to do, if you're going to do a sequel that you want to be more in the vein of what you probably should have aimed with, with the original Halloween, then you do it the way that we're talking about with Halloween 2018, where you don't worry about trying to explain anything. You just let him be crazy and then let other people find him so fascinating that they they become side villains almost. I mean, clearly it's just something we disagree on, but there's, there's plenty of things that I think, could and I guess I should say like the last thing I will say about it is I still don't agree that to tell the to give just a little hair of motivation that helps these things kind of resolve together would not take maybe maybe a minute more of runtime but probably not. it might take more runtime but I think it takes some of the intensity and fear away from it. I mean, I I still I think in my head, which of course this is just a head canon, but I think that I could with enough, like you know, with just getting a t- chance to sit down and really analyze the whole movie and think about exactly how I wanted to word it. I'm pretty sure I could keep the runtime the exact same and essentially just change the dialogue between the sheriff and the doctor and give right. Give the I'm not the saying viewer. you couldn't. Yeah, I never said you couldn't yeah. do that. I just think that it's a bad idea. Yeah. Does and, that make and sense? I don't think like, it, I think be it much. works better because he's a mystery. I don't want any of those questions answered. Well, then if we're going to you know do that, I mean? then my cut of this movie would be completely remove the scenes with the doctor and the sheriff, completely kill those scenes so that then you just get to live this fantasy of some crazy dude going out and killing people. And then you don't even have think to think about it. What helps make this one interesting too, though, compared to other ones where it is just, oh, there's a crazy person killing people. And like, that's fun. And I love slashers, but I yeah. like this one because it's different. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, I guess, but by nature of being different and trying to brush up on those things, it it demands more from me as a viewer. I just think you're thinking too much about it, too hard. I mean, maybe I maybe. think that maybe because we watched it for the podcast, maybe you're thinking too hard well, on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've literally never heard anyone years. say anything like this about this movie, <laughs> so I am just flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now. I told you I don't normally love these movies, and this is something that yeah, like, sure. I have other. Th- I, I like them; they're fun, but I put them on as like background noise. But when you're actually yeah, sure. watching them and you're saying, "Hey, I'm watching this movie," they start to fall apart pretty quickly, I and mean, then a lot of slashers do well yes but oh, that was my horror, point though. that's is there's no mean. such thing as a genuinely good slasher movie but this one's so close. Of Hush. This i think this so is gross. a genuinely good horror slasher uh, let me rephrase i do agree this one is i personally think this one is good too it's um, it's damn near perfect horror movie see but i don't think it's scary that's my thing so i don't we think had this conversation before yeah, i don't think any movie is scary thing. so like that like just because i'm not scared by it doesn't mean it's not horror yeah well yes but i just don't to me that whatever that's the whole thing <laughs> i mean i'm interested too because i mean we've had this conversation before but it does interest me because the thing about horror for me is like if i i always put myself in their position so if i was in Lori's position would i be scared yes okay it's horror does that make sense and like a certain type of terror i don't mean like i'm watching black hawk down like oh would i be in their position yes it's would be if i was in their position would it be scary yes okay it's horror yeah, see, like, and obviously you know what i mean that's why I like think it's a different type movies. of terror I, that's why I think the Saw movies exist in the horror thing. Like, you know, a lot of people want to look at them and say they're not horror, but realistically, oh, they're absolutely that's, horror. That's what I do too. I go I if you're that, horror, slap them if yeah. they say that. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard plenty of people say that those aren't horror; they're just psychological thrillers. And I mean, yes, oh, they fuck are, off. but the re- they're horrific because if you put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're watching, you're terrified. You'd be fucking terrified. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because like horror movies, there are very few that have scared me in recent years. Obviously, when I was younger and like more new to the genre. Yeah, sure. But yeah, like when you, in, when you were a giant pussy growing up is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm a smaller pussy and I don't get scared near as often. Oh, I'm um, so happy. 
<laughs> Lake Mungo is one recently that scared me pretty well I after really it was over, though, that. surprisingly. It was like yeah. while I was watching, I was like, oh, this is neat. It's fun. And then it was over, and I laid in bed. I was like, okay, don't want to watch that movie ever again. Holy shit. <laughs> and see, that to me is where I think really interesting horror comes up. And don't get me wrong. I can still watch this movie and put myself in the shoe of the viewer or the of the person we're viewing and say, oh, yeah, I'd be terrified in that situation. But I think yeah. the ones that really are horror, like horrific, are the ones that unsettle you to your core to such an extent that you think about it when the movie's done. Yeah, and some a lot of newer horror does that to me, yeah, like Hagazusa and Hereditary and yeah. Midsummer. And so stuff. it's less about it's it's less that it's actually a horror movie in the moment. It's less about the it's more about the impact that it has on you in the yeah. long run after you watch it. Does it stick with you? Like, and, yeah, yeah. Watch this movie and then go babysit and like walk around the house in the dark. Like <laughs> you might be scared a little bit. <laughs> yes, that's definitely sure. Context definitely changes a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. it's not horror. This is a, a side story, real quick. But whenever I was a teenager, I would look up constantly stories of uh, Mothman, and me and my buddies were just yeah. like super into it. Yeah. And even though I, you know, like if I'm looking at it, I was like, well, I don't really think Mothman is for sure like a horror thing. I think that I, I land on the side of him being like a beacon of a warning. But we would sneak out at night and we'd go walking through the trail that's down pretty close to where we all lived, and it's in the it's in the woods and it's dark as shit and you hear it flip like flapping above you and you kind of start to think like but what if it, what if mothman is real and a fucking psychopath and he <laughs> with, yeah. uh, people i don't talk to anymore with slender man mm-hmm. where we'd always be like oh i see him and never did obviously because he doesn't probably doesn't exist oh he does like, i've seen him I, I mean listen i believe in ghosts <laughs> Um. Yeah, but I have something to say, and I completely forgot. So, oh, <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you. My bad. No, I actually have. If you don't mind me, kind of breaking off a little bit into a story. Do it, man. Um. Today I went for. I've been walking when I on my days off. I go for walks, and I was walking downtown, uh, in my town of this just little like wooded area. Like behind everything, everything was fine. And I'm listening to my headphones, and I usually keep one out just because I'm a safe person. Yeah. Um, and I'm walking through the woods and I hear whistling and I'm checking behind me and I'm thinking, man, I just want, this is the first time a horror movie has genuinely put me in a place where I'm like unsettled doing something in my regular life. So I just thought it was funny because I'm sitting there and I, I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> following me right now. So no, I just thought, thought that was funny. Yeah. Kind of relates a little bit. But you're saying this was right after you had watched this? Yeah, it was today. See, and that kind of speaks on horror, right? Because, like, clearly you watched a movie, and movies do a lot more, but it's it's ultimately your own brain that scares you. And, like, that's right. constantly what's going on because the Mothman stuff wasn't really videos. For the most part, it was just me reading stuff. But the thing about reading stuff is that your imagination takes over as what could be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like your brain trips you out for a second and goes, surprise, bitch. <laughs> oh, I get more scared by books than I do movies, really. Yeah. Like, there are a number yeah. of times where I've been reading Stephen King or something, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this down <laughs> for a bit. <laughs> the, one, the thing that really scares the shit out of me every Abstract, time is yeah. um, it's backmasking. Do you know the sound of that? Like the uh-huh. backwards talking? Oh, well, yeah. Look it up. Oh, like reverse talking? Yeah, like if you do like Blood Zeppelin is devil worship. Yeah, yeah, you know, you play reverse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, a little inside baseball for anyone who's listening, but there was one episode I where I accidentally reversed Josh's track. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> I do. I was listening to it in the car because usually when I listen, I put it up and drive, and then I I go and I listen to it when I'm doing when I'm smoking or doing something like that, and. 
Joss starts talking and it's backmasked and it genuinely scared the shit out of me. <laughs> My brain is not working. <laughs> well, that stuff freaks me out and then I didn't know it happened. So I'm just listening to the Am podcast. I, I edited. I did this work. I did the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I put it on and Josh is just like, rup, 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 rup. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to die in this fucking car. <laughs> I'm going to die in a Jetta. That's how I want to go out hey man that's a pretty good way to go yeah okay. so I the timeline talk- <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, there was two things that i don't like in this movie and it's funny that brett didn't mention either one of them because they're very serious i think oh so, i'm not done buddy <laughs> okay i'm sure but where the fuck did he learn to drive yep so that's the big one and then the second one when he pinned bob to the ni- uh, wall with a knife how fucking long was that knife Oh, they it went all the it. way through him, and then no, I know, but like it had to have grown. Yeah, it went all the way through him, and then far it, enough into the wall to hold him up. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a two foot long butcher knife. <laughs> but if I'm being honest, both of those things are still easier for me to get over. One because the driving, the doctor specifically mentions. He goes, uh, "Who the, taught the, him to drive?" Yeah, or he's like, like that. "How?" He's like, "Well, maybe someone was showing him." And actually, if yeah. you think about what they end up doing in later movies with the protege doctor. Kind of does make sense that there that there would be someone on the inside who maybe was helping him because otherwise, yeah. when you're pulling up, why are they already wondering about something's going on? And that's a mystery I like. See that, like you know, we're talking about the mystery of not knowing what's going on. I like that at the beginning of the movie, you see them co- going towards this mental hospital and slash All prison, the people outside, and then you shit. just see a bunch of people outside, and that's a cool mystery because it's like, why the hell are they outside? And even the characters yeah. are kind of confused. Yeah, and, she's like, do they just let them roam around? Yeah. It's like, no, you fucking idiot. Drive <laughs> up to the door. So I like that. That's the kind of, that's the mystery that works. And that's something that is just unsettling about like what happened before this movie that led to this. Was Michael part of it? Was someone else part of it? That's a nice mystery. And it's a mystery that doesn't have to ever be answered or can be answered in a follow-up movie. And that's fine. But, you know, it's, if you're I, just going to disagree with me on everything in this podcast, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, I, there might be a chance. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that it. mystery. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, boy. But yeah, no, definitely the body. I was like, oh, man. I, I was like, there's no way that knife could hold that weight. <laughs> <laughs> right. Going all the way through that dude's chest and then into the wall. See, and that would have to be deep scenes. as fuck to hold him up. For, like, you could just like poke the wall and be like, okay, he's good. <laughs> Sit right there, buddy. Um, that was the scene, and it was a really cool shot scene. But whenever it goes down and you see his feet kind of unclench and just like as he passes, yeah. I really thought yeah. like a little bit of blood trailing down from his center would have been really cool to see. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't go with more blood because like movies before this were gory, so it's not like you know this was leading up to the gore movies. Yeah, who knows? And it's still rated R, so it's not like like you said earlier they don't they weren't trying to go down to PG thirteen. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, but, um, definitely a weird choice. The last kind of thing that I wanted to mention about, you know, that I didn't really like, um, and it's not, not, none of these things are super big. Like, they don't detract from my overall enjoyment or anything, but just little nitpicks is like, why the fuck can't anyone open a door in this movie? Okay. Well, see, you bet you actually lead me to exactly one of my problems in the movie. And I'm surprised that you phrased the question that way because that makes me think that you don't realize that everything is supposed to be Michael. Yeah, no, I get it. Like the rake behind the door, and then he locked it from the outside, and like, 
But Jesus Christ, like every time someone went to open a door, it's like, I can't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even in that scene, the scene you're talking about with the rake, I was kind of like, okay, so you broke the window, which means you knew you had to remove the rake. Yeah. So why did you let Michael get so close before you right. decided to move the rake? <laughs> well, at first, I didn't see the rake. Like this time watching uh-huh. it, and it's, I guess it slipped my mind that I had seen the movie a thousand times. And I was like, why can't she open the fucking door? She just walked in this door. And then she knocked the rake. I was like, oh, rake, yes. See, now <laughs> that... Like, what the fuck, man? That leads me to my problem with this movie. And another reason why I think they ruined some of the grounded nature of this movie. So I'm just going to give you a little series of events throughout this movie and how so many things within it don't make sense. Michael can teleport, you didn't know? Basically, he has to be able to. Oh, I know. It's a it's a running gag, like not gag, but you know, things throughout that he's like never runs, but if even if you're running, he's like right behind you at all the time. But it's not even that. Or he's, he like he's, pops up in front of he's you. He's always prepared. Shit. Everything that you could possibly do. So like the the big part where it just really came to just it was so overbearing and they were constantly beating you over with just I consider it to be lazy writing, if I'm being dead honest. Uh, it, it it bothered me so much it took me out of the movie. When she calls over to the house that Annie's supposed to be watching and the phone works. She grabs her keys, makes sure the kids are fine, goes across the street. She gets in the house, of which Michael has been in this entire time. And what goes on? Because she clearly just called. So she walks across. He's not out there. Okay. She goes upstairs. All right. He's upstairs the whole time. He's played these bodies out, and he drops the body of the boy so that it can hit her. He could have easily been outside. Then randomly, somehow, up. he fucking opens the door to reveal her dead friend because that door was a closed cabinet. How the fuck did that open? So all of those things together, then she gets, you know, her shirt cut by him while he's hiding in the room behind her, clearly because it was a setup to, you know, he kind of knew she was eventually coming over and you hear all that stuff going. And then whenever she runs back across the street and he's just plodding along, uh, or she goes, she tries to go out through the door she came into. And even though he hasn't been downstairs at fucking all that we can tell, he somehow got down there and propped a, a rake up against the door that she was just came into like fucking two minutes well he could have very well been outside and followed her in and upstairs you know what i mean like it's not like she was all of a sudden four houses down and there he is hey look maybe maybe i'm giving the movie too much shit but you're giving it you're getting letting it get away with everything (laughs) i don't think so though like to me no i agree with both sides as someone who has not been really participating in the conversation Blake, you're giving it far too much credit, and Brett, you're you're taking way, way too seriously. I, at least I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, then, I don't know the answer. I'm just making shit up to explain it because yeah, obviously I don't know. I get but it. I'm just saying, like he could have easily run up, run like come up the stairs after her. Continue the oh, uh, like right. Continue the series of events though. She goes back out. She gets into the house. The kid lets her in. Phone lines cut. When the fuck did they do that? Also, in the two seconds from her getting in, locking the door and trying to call the phone, she turns around, the window's open, and he got in first fucking window, first fucking try. It's yeah. The movie is so much goddamn happenstance just to let the to let the actions that they want to happen happen. That is exactly what we were talking about with Sonic trying to get the people up to the top of the building, where it's just you want something to happen, so goddamn it, you're gonna make it written to where it works out that way. Yeah, I guess I just I don't know. I watched horror especially slasher movies in particular differently than you i guess i don't know i don't i think you're just picking it apart and like there's just a genre that doesn't need to be picked apart 
Maybe. But, you know, you were talking about how nobody can open the door. If I'm being completely honest with myself, I'd rather him not have magically been able to get down there and put a rake in front of the door and her just been so fucking scared out of her mind that something as simple as opening a door was hard for her. If I'm yeah, being, for sure. like, if, if I'm, I'm being not dead saying honest, you're 100% wrong. Yeah. I just don't think it matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, if it, if it doesn't matter, then why the fuck did they do it? Do what? Why they put a rake in the door? Well, so she couldn't get out. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind that's of the point I mean. where I'm like, okay, Brett, you're being a little aggressive with you. But again, there's no reason <laughs> she doesn't have to have that. She can be fucking scared. You put yourself in the viewer's mindset, right? If I'm Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie, whatever the fuck you want to say, in this movie, and I just saw all my best friends killed, and I've never seen any of that shit, and a guy just cut my arm and is chasing me and is punching through a fucking door, you don't think I'm going to be having a hard time even unlocking a door because I'm fucking shaking? Yeah, it's. A, that's a good know. enough reason I, you don't have to for give the record i don't i don't disagree with either of you at this point this is what's kind of interesting as the uh unbiased centrist in this political debate <laughs> <Enlightened centrist>. <laughs> yes <laughs> is where like neither of you are wrong but i think there's faults in both of your arguments because i think blake is right where brett you're being a rightfully a fucking dickhead <laughs> well you're being you know rightfully concerned with like the yeah, movie making sure. sense but at the same time i'm sitting here kind of feeling the same way i do when people make fun of marvel movies where i'm like it's a fucking cartoon roller coaster ride which and, and you're right is where like we're here we're critiquing movies well, not even that. we're giving ourselves a lot of credit not even for what that. we know about movies but can i give myself a little bit of a defense here you go ahead. I have so much less problems with movies like Friday the 13th or even even though there's plenty of fucking plot holes, I still have less problems with something like um, Nightmare on Elm Street because they automatically have these weird nature, like th- these weird things going on to where there's clearly something supernatural going on. And they're so far from grounded anyway that the moment you do yeah. something that does that seems unrealistic. The mo- the whole movie has your suspension of disbelief so high that it doesn't matter. Whereas this movie is sure. so grounded that when those things happen, suddenly my suspension of disbelief is really low. And then it's like, well, what the fuck? Why would that happen? That makes no sense. Sure. That's totally fair. Yeah, and, and, I, and that's why I never, it's, I'm so hard on it right now is because I've watched other movies and saw the same thing. But if I even if I thought about it, I'd be like, oh, well, it doesn't fucking matter. He also resurrected from the bottom of a fucking lake. <laughs> fair. Sure. That, and I don't that think is definitely... That- I haven't said that you're like wrong. No, you, know you haven't. I mean? You haven't. I mean, like, I, get I don't that. think you're literally wrong. I just think that you're being too hard on it. And honestly, I don't know how to argue with your points because I've literally never heard a single person like badmouth this movie. Like, it's just kind of thrown me for a yeah. loop. Does that make sense? And here's the thing: it, I, still I think, enjoyed it. Go ahead, Chris. I want to hear what you have to say. It's one of those problems with the movie, almost not even the movie, where people have put it on this pedestal of it's the cinema of slasher films. So where you're kind of judging it a little harsher because you're not, it's not, people haven't set up it, set it up in the way of Friday the 13th, where it's Jason is a teleporting guy who cuts people off when they're having sex or smoking weed. Mm -hmm. And you know, gets to that point. Just not it the does. First one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But. I'm glad you said that because yes. that's what I was just about to say. Is it goes back to your claim about how this movie is almost like, and it really is the closest example, and it's also almost close to being 100% true that this movie is very cinematic and very cinema driven for the genre that it's in. So Man. again, when it betrays that for a second, 
you notice it more instead of a movie where it's completely there. So yeah, when you have this natural cinematic flair going on and this grounded nature and everything going on, when you kind of betray that, it is hard for me to not notice it and want to move on. I've seen plenty of other movies and I think they're stupid, but they're enjoyable and you know it's like watching home alone none of the shit in home alone makes any sense definitely home alone too they're going to leave this kid alone fucking twice but you don't give a shit <laughs> because it doesn't matter yeah. because your suspension yeah. of disbelief well, is so high i do want to say like, i think scream is the actual cinematic slasher i do think well, yes. scream is another great example of that and scream also does a lot better of a job of explaining itself away um when yeah. it comes to it also had the luxury of like being 30 years later <laughs> it did. It did. But, but yeah. the thing is, is I think that that movie could have been in the, in seventy eight, no problem, because it's the it's the thought behind the story that went into it that sure. works out. Yeah, you know? it had nothing to do with effects. It wasn't like that. It was just, hey, if you have somebody set up and you're wondering how one person can be here and then that person's a killer, but then they could also be in the room with the killer. Oh, it's because there's more than one killer. Yeah. Fuck, bam, you did it. Hot damn. Yeah. Yeah. You pulled yeah, it Scream's off. incredible. Yeah, Scream is incredible. It's a great movie. <laughs> this I feel like this conversation kind of goes back to because we need it, we haven't mentioned it in a while, but it goes back to what I was saying about Belco Experiment. Oh, where well the movie <laughs> it 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 doesn't commit to being a fun see the different ways these office workers are going to kill each other, but it sure. also doesn't commit to being a character study because yep. there are no characters. Yep. No, I get your point. And it's, see, it's interesting because I understand the other side of the argument. Clearly I've been on it. I thought that even though the Belco didn't uh, Belco, excuse me, experiment did not commit to one way or the other. And that ultimately hurt the movie. Um, I still, just like I am with this one, I'm just presenting the other argument in that where right. I, I understand that both movies are fun. And I, you know, it's just that be a commitment to one of the styles instead of constantly kind of betraying itself would have been nice, right? Yeah, and definitely since the scope is so much less, like you know, I think it's easier to overlook in Belco Experiment because you're having to deal with the fact that there's what 200 office employees that are getting their heads blown up left and fucking right. It's like you get numb to it pretty quickly, and then the inconsistencies are at least less noticeable. Whereas in this movie, the four deaths are pretty grounded and realistic, and you go through them, and there's a couple of moments that kind of take you out of it. So. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I don't think you're wrong. I just think you're you're, you're exactly what I was doing <laughs> with the Belco experiment. Yeah, absolutely. You know. <laughs> Except this time I disagree with you, so it's kind of like I'm not on your side here. <laughs> Brett, we're just trying to have fun. You're being kind of a dick. <laughs> you're really killing our mellow, dude. Yeah, you're harshing my vibe. If we want to go to a little, I'd say my last complaint with this movie, and it's pretty, this is actually the one that's probably the, the least bothersome because I think that some of it could be chopped up to when the movie was released. But the dialogue as a whole feels very stilted and like totally, really, mm. really. I, I, I think this it totally does. There's a couple of parts I know. There's a couple of parts in this movie. No, where like really, totally. It does. I felt like <laughs> it brushed up against how bad some of the dialogue in the room is. Yeah. Where it, it, it no, I can't do laugh. that. You have to call him and tell him I am not going to the prom with him. Uh, oh, hi, Brad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Annie. And actually, oh, hi, Michael. If I'm giving anybody credit, <laughs> if I had to say, oh, hi, Mark. The teens were the worst. Though yeah. all of the movie had people that were bad. I'll at least give, even though the teens were the worst, Jamie Lee Curtis was tended to do the better job now i'm unaware of if that comes down to her getting better dialogue or if that comes down to 
uh, her being a better actor and just having better chops for acting. I don't know what it I was. I think just being around the world of acting for her whole life. You know, her yeah, mom was a lady in Psycho. Yeah. yeah. I would also say she's clearly a better actor because she's the only one that really worked again. <laughs> Is she really? I don't, I don't, I haven't followed the other uh, ones, Outside of the teenagers, yeah. Looking at pictures of them and I'm like, oh, Annie doesn't have, has the one picture from Halloween and that's it. Oh, she did three <laughs> movies. And she was gotcha. also a pretty bad actor. <laughs> Yes, yeah, actress, was. whatever. Yeah, I mean that's just, that those, comes so. with eighties and seventies slashers. Mm-hmm. Most of them are terrible acting. Yeah, and I know yeah. the dialogue in those movies tend to be stilted, but some of yeah. it is just. I was like, is this also because it's the seventies and they say weird shit that I would never expect to hear someone say? <laughs> you know, totally. but I wasn't around in the seventies, so fuck it. Who am I? I, I was born fifteen <laughs> years before this movie released, just like Michael was in prison for fifteen years. So you know what? Before it released. So you're saying that you are Michael Myers after it released? Thank you, Blake. I'm you like forty. 45 50 yes <laughs> have you been catfishing as a younger man <laughs> you've been catfishing your podcast host <laughs> i have indeed. so i'm sorry guys i am interested though brett what did you like about the movie because all we have heard so far for is three and a half like hours it? is how much you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> how much he hates a, a classic movie so you, you know what's really weird is that I hate almost it. everything that I really like <laughs> ends up having movie, some kind of moment that ruins it for me just a little bit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so like the fir- the very beginning of the movie, the first person opening is awesome. I love it. You go through, and I even like that when he picks up the mask, it like masks out the camera, and you just see the eye holes. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's real good. And then all the way up until he actually goes to start stabbing his sister, I'm with it. And then it both fails visually because it just looks like he's stabbing nothing. And then her acting is so bad that it's like he's stomping on her toe. I think that was an homage to like earlier slasher stuff, maybe like Psycho and like maybe. really early slasher stuff. You know that yeah. wasn't technically at the time slasher because that didn't exist. Yeah. But but no, it didn't feel good. It didn't look great. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm just curious if it was meant to look that bad because the rest didn't look that bad. Like that was the only part of the movie that looked like it was shot poorly. I disagree that that was the worst death because Annie's death was ten times d- dumber than that one was. <laughs> well, and see, whenever for he... sure, but it looked real. Like it looked like it was happening though. Like the acting, you can say is bad. Yeah. Sure. But I meant that like that was the only one that didn't connect and it just looked like forced or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, at least in my opinion. Annie's and the sound effects were really bad. Annie's great yeah. until they slide until he like pulls the knife up and the slashes her yeah. neck. Yeah. And, and it, she's like it, falling and her eyes keep opening and closing. Well, that's bad too. But not even that. Like the way that the knife hits her, it doesn't even look like it's trying to be realistic. Yeah. It, it's just like it, it looks like the back of the knife brushed her cheek, <laughs> exactly. and then all of a sudden she she has this giant gash across her throat when she's laying in the bed. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't. That's not yeah. right. Don't wrong. She also lived though. Not the worst, but did she live? She's in Halloween too. Yep, that is true. I, I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, but I'll, good for know, her. I'll give a, I'll give it credit though because after that, whenever they have the scene of Michael walking out of the front of the house, that long lingering shot of young Michael holding the knife and just pulling out as his parents like don't even know whether to get close to him or back because it's just like yeah like, they the understand what on? happened to an extent and that's that was a cool scene I, so it's like at, at least the, the middle was the only part that was kind of and but it brought me back in before it was all said and done uh but if i mean other stuff i like there's a lot of cool moments where i think it's kind of a this cat and mouse between the doctor and michael is really fun uh even the yes. basic idea of like the doctor pulling up to the fence and then getting out to go and then michael like 
Spider-Man crawling onto the car and then like smacking the shit out of the window. All that yeah. fun. Him trying to find the car. And then I love the part where he's talking. One of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is like the doctor kind of frantically looking around and being like, I know Michael's around. And then Michael pulls up in the car behind him when he's talking to the sheriff and mm-hmm. then just drives right behind the doctor. <laughs> I love that shit. It just, it, it has a lot of interesting tension and kind of that, it really brushed that cat and mouse game really well and they kind of have that again yeah. whenever he's sitting outside of uh the old Myers house and then he looks and he notices the car it's like those are the moments that the tension really gets rising it's like oh shit someone's gonna realize finally you know yeah i think the most visually stunning scene was um and i sent it to discord so y'all can see so you know what i'm talking about but uh, i'll explain yeah, I it for the other people is when she it's towards the end and Lori's like hiding from her from uh from her from michael and he like comes in through the very very dark room and all you see is like the silhouette of his mask and it's yeah, slowly that was a brighter. really good scene so good yeah no, i love that scene like there's a couple of really well shot moments in this yeah there was a few that i was like damn i forgot how like gorgeous this movie was and then mm-hmm. most of it was just like oh it's good which I think like none that, of it was bad, I yeah. guess, but except maybe the first kill, like you mentioned. And but. see, and as cool as that is, because like you know, I talked about that. I really appreciate when a movie that doesn't need to goes out of its way to actually look visually like well yeah. done. But that it doesn't help what we were talking about earlier. That the fact that the camera movements and stuff are so thoughtful sometimes don't necessarily yeah. pull away from that cinematic feel. So, I, and, and I like that, but it's, it's, I guess that's what makes me want the movie to fully commit to that and just be a grounded ass movie of a, th- of a, of a slasher. Because when you think about slashers, you normally think about the fact that they're so over the top that they're impossible. But the sure. whole time I'm watching this movie, I just had that feeling of like, this is so close to being possible, like to where it's almost more terrifying. It almost brushes up into that exact horror we were talking about and that it's, it still can get you, like Chris said. You're walking down and you hear some noises and you're by yourself and you start having that feeling of like, um, I just watched a movie about someone stalking someone. And that is a realistic Thought thing. This is the happen. end. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it scares you I even you, more to your core if the whole movie stays consistently something that's entirely possible. One of the reasons that I think the first Saw movie is so it sticks with you so damn well is that every bit of the first Saw movie, when everything's not blown up in the scale seems like anybody could fucking do that. Anybody. So, and that's what's cool about this is that if you really think about this, if if they just would fix a couple of spots and making him kind of impossible, <laughs> you could essentially sure. have the the thoughts where anybody can be Michael Myers based off of this yeah. movie. And that Or just tell me Michael Myers is a superhero. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it, the MCU Halloween crossover. <laughs> By Dude, if, the villains. if you see a scene of Nick Fury going into like some government prison and handing Michael Myers his mask, he's like, "We uh, we got a mission for you." Oh goddamn, that's fucking good. So yeah, I don't um have a whole lot more to say about. It. I think I've touched on pretty much everything. Do you have anything else, Brett? Before we close out? Well, I mean, I know I've been kind of stealing the conversation, so I feel a little bit better. No, about I've that. enjoyed it. But I had no, a, I, yeah, it's totally cool. It's been hot take central, and I like it. I knew going into the episode, I I was really careful. Burning hot anything. takes. I was like, I know that I'm going to be the one who's probably the, the alternate opinion on all this stuff. But, These takes are so hot that I've literally never heard them before. So that's good. <laughs> 
There you go. You heard it on Midweek Monday. <laughs> heard it here uh, first. The, Halloween sucks. You are, you, are the, <laughs> you are the one person who says, am I the only one? And everyone goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going back to I do think that it's a, uh, I, I do want to say like the things that I liked about the movie more. If you give it a five out of five, I will fucking jump through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the whole uh, time you're shitting on it. Also five. Yeah. <laughs> give it a five, Brett. Give it a five. It deserves it. Hey, That'd be so funny. You know the last line that really is said between the doctor and Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, um, is that the boogeyman? Yes, he is. Yeah, what are you talking about? Specifically, the way he says it, and the fact that again, I think that if it would have gone a little bit more, I love that basic thing of like clearly they're both so scared of him and the doctor knows more at least of what he is than Laurie does at this particular moment. But I just love that. Like I liked that they played up the whole movie with the kid talking about the boogeyman and saying that he sees a boogeyman and her telling him that he's not real, but she's also been having this feeling that someone's been following her this whole time. It's a good, See, I think none of that worked if they explained more about him though. I disagree completely personally, because realistically the, the reason that he's a boogeyman is that, and when no I say one knows anything about him, right? and he's terrifying. Like when, when, I, when I say that, explained one of the fun things about Michael is that explaining him is doing your best bet to like your best attempt at explaining him. The, the mystery always comes from that you'll never truly know why he's doing it, even sure. if you're given some kind of exposition as to what someone's best guess is and why they think, and then you can pick up on that and be like, "I kind of see where it could be that." But at the end of the day. You don't know. And the other reason I think it works is that he's kind of the person that can get knocked down a million times and always get back up and he's always gone. So it was. This is actually who they wrote that song for. (laughs) I get knocked down, but I get up again. That took me a second. I was like, where is he? Oh. (laughs) That was funny. Yeah. Let me see. I I have to have some more notes on here that that I like. Oh. I, I think Chris would appreciate this one. It just made me laugh. Whenever Annie was stuck in the window, she's like, help me. <laughs> yes. It's literally porn. I thought about that too. I, I me and Haley I, both were like, is this a start to a porno? Did we buy the right movie? <laughs> <laughs> I said, too bad Michael wasn't her stepbrother. Wink, wink. <laughs> Halloweener. Help, I'm stuck in this window. Oh my God. Hold on. <laughs> the rise of Michael Myers is meat. Someone has clearly made this into a porn parody, right? Oh yeah, no, of course. I've got to see it now. I got. I just have to. I need to know. There's no chance that she gets stuck in that window and her stepbro fucks her. There's no way. That would be too. That would be like the Simpsons predicting shit. Oh, dude, that would be fucking crazy. Hey, stepbro. I'm stuck in the laundry room. What? You know, I mean, you, you have a perfect. It's just that. Where is that logic? You know? Oh no, she's stuck in the dryer that is too big for her entire body, so there's no reasonable <laughs> reason she's stuck. I'm just gonna put my dick in. I'm just gonna rape my sister. <laughs> what? It's really what like it's honestly super fucking creepy. <laughs> and yet it's it the number creepy. one porn on Pornhub. Yep. Listen, they everyone do. likes the taboo. Uh, but going back to other stuff that just caught my attention, I was so devastated by Lester being gone so rip lester rest in peace he was trying to be a good yeah. boy and Annie was being a cunt. <laughs> <Yep>. wow 
Yeah, any movie that kills a dog kind of has me like, what are you? What are you guys well, choosing to the do fact here? That, like he's clearly being like, like hurt, and then she's like, oh, yeah. never mind. I guess he found a day. I'm like, what the fuck, bitch? <laughs> I did not like Annie. That's just someone who doesn't have a dog. I didn't like Annie either. I was honestly like looking up who she was because I found she her kind of hot. Something I did thought was cool, though, I uh, think was cool, rather, uh, was it referencing the original The Thing movie. And this is this movie came out four years before the actual John Carpenter The Thing. So I think it was kind of him being like, hey, I really want to do this. <laughs> like showing his interest in it throughout the movie. I thought that was just a cool way. And I also like the idea that it was something that was horror related that the kids were watching that kind of put them in that extra state of like anxiety that laurie is trying to like dispel and be like hey you know if you keep talking like that i'm gonna make you go to bed and stop watching this but the whole time there is actually some crazy shit going i kind of wish there was like a they live reference you know <laughs> that'd have been pretty cool too where it, that movie mid 80s yes i think so 88 late 80s okay interesting interesting well Carpenter is a real interesting director, so it wouldn't surprise me if he would have known that long ago that he kind of wanted to mess around with that. But yeah, it's definitely a real interesting take because, you know, a lot of people, I mean, if you watch this movie, I'm sure there's people who are going back and watching it who may appreciate Carpenter's work now who don't realize that the thing was a series and a, a story before John Carpenter got in on it. Like everybody, I remember that the, everybody was talking about the kind of sequel slash reboot that they did in like 2012 and being like, it doesn't need a remake. And I'm like, well, the problem with that is that John Carpenter's the thing is essentially a remake. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter that had like a profile picture of like the cover for the thing. Yeah. And they're like bad mouthing like remakes. I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> like stop. <laughs> yeah. Like you can, you can criticize the fact that there's too many remakes, but there are clearly good remakes. Yeah, I'm always down for a remake. Like remake whatever you want. If it's great, that's fucking awesome. If it sucks, then I just won't watch it. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about remakes is that it exists in a lot of people's mind that if you watch the remake and it's bad, that it it I don't get it either. But it does have an effect on the way that you view the original work. It feels somehow my childhood. Like it to me, it's never done that before. Like i've watched you know a lot of the texas chainsaw remakes and some of them are okay and some of them are really really fucking bad yeah and the original is still one of my favorite movies of all time like it's, it hasn't tarnished the original in any way i don't well, that's think good and, and i think that clearly that's not everybody but there are a lot well, sure people. i mean everyone's different yeah like a, a good example for me is like when an artist that i like like a musical uh, music actor or whatever puts out an album that i don't care for I don't understand why it happens and I tried not to let it happen, but it naturally makes me listen to them less. And then I end up just never like not listening to the band anymore. I I still love the stuff I loved before, but it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's never bothered me. I mean, Eminem put out revival and that's trash and I still love his first albums. Yeah. And listen to them all the time. So yeah. And certain, certain things can find a way to push past that because they're just so influential or whatever it be. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting thing to roll off in. Um, but that's about it. I mean, I really, I don't want to feel like I really do enjoy the movie and I did enjoy watching it. It's just that feeling of, it sounds like you did. It's so close to being something that could have <laughs> been even better to me. Yeah. And that's a shame. I mean, it's, yeah, I feel sure. that way about certain other movies and games that I adore, but I still wished a little bit more out of them. Yeah, I mean, any movie can be like 
improved upon. Like I, I would never say this movie's perfect or anything, yeah, but sure. yeah, for sure. What about you, Chris? Anything else you wanted to touch on before we close it up? I am good. Wait, well, we don't have. Well, I guess we still have ratings. I was gonna say we don't have uh, another <clears> one to pick. So, Brent, let's hear it, buddy. What do you? <laughs> out of five stars, how many do you give it? <laughs> for effort, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it yeah, or not. For effort of being <laughs> so close to being what could have been the perfect slasher, like the perfect grounded slasher movie, I'm still gonna award that effort with a four. Oh, sweet. Okay, that's higher than I expected. I'm happy. Yeah. I've been kind of going between a three and a half to a four, but I do think that for all that it does get right, it deserves credit. And I think it could have been a five out of five. That's, I guess that's my disappointment with it is that it could have been a five out of five for me. Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Four is respectable for absolutely. What about you, Chris out of five stars? Four, four stars. Okay. I want to be the outlier here again. Because I get it five stars. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it 10,000 times, and I'll probably watch it 10,000 more. So, What's interesting... I would watch this movie 10,000 times and then 10,000 more. No, Halloween, 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 <laughs> Halloween, Halloween. It reminds me, um, my stepbrother, just to go off on a quick tangent here, when we were mm. kids he would always sing a song about the movies that we saw like when we would leave. So he was probably like six or seven when Too Fast, Too Furious came out. and Or sorry, the first Fast and the Furious, my bad. And he was just walking out going, the fast, the furious, so fast, so furious. <laughs> just like every movie though, but that's the one that stuck in my mind. It's so goofy. That's awesome. So, uh, you know the thing about this movie is I really it's it's been a long time. Clearly, it's I, I've seen the the Rob Zombie one more recent than this one. So sure, this makes me kind of want to go back and watch the Rob Zombie reboot and see if I actually do think it's better or if that's just nostalgia and memory tying it up. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to do it pretty close to each other so that I really have a feel for both of them without time to alter any memories. So I'll probably be watching. Yeah, I love the Rob Zombie one, and I don't think that go- delving into him ruins it by any means. I just think that that's why this one works so much, so well, because it doesn't, you know what I mean? I don't know, not to rehash the arguments that we've had. Yeah, and I mean, and I guess but, the upside to my thing is that somebody felt the same way as I did, clearly. Otherwise, Rob, I, I guess Rob Zombie yeah. technically felt the same way as I did. Otherwise, he wouldn't have felt the need to go into that. Yeah, um, for sure. It's and cool that had a lot of studio oversight for too. Most people, you know what I mean? I think it's 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 good yeah. that there's one that addresses that more, and then there's one for people that just want to be wrapped up in nothing but mystery. You kind right. of you still have that option. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess um, happy Halloween, everybody! Thank you for joining us on our surprise episode. We appreciate it. Yeah. See you next year for Halloween again. We will do the same movie one year from now. So tune in. Yep. Well, we're also going to do Halloween on Easter and Christmas too. So I thought on Christmas we would do Hellraiser. Okay, that's fair. Sure, we'll do Hellraiser. <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna do Jingle All the Way. Oh God, I'm actually oh, Jack I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie as well. But so that wrap us up. Take us out, Brett. Take us out. All right. Well, thank you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this uh, bonus episode, even though. Uh, 
you may hate me for what I've said, but that's okay. That's part of the fun of the podcast. Uh, if you want to follow us and catch up with us on social media, you can head over to Twitter and search for matinee underscore midweek. You can head over to Facebook and do midweek matinee as well as Instagram. And if you want to keep up with us at an individual level, you can find Mr. Chris at figs 21 K at Twitter. Blake is post underscore Blake underscore 92 on Twitter. Yes, sir. And then if you want to find me, I really am on our uh, PlayStation podcast profile more than anything. I treat that as my personal basically, but you can find it at triangle SQRD. If you like games and you've not heard of that, go check that out. It's a weekly podcast we do every Monday, but we also would like to thank our patrons who support the show with more than just their time, which we were always so grateful for to begin with. But if you'd like to join them and be a patron, we always give a shout out to our patrons at the end of every episode, as well as giving them early access to this show uh, with the episodes typically going up on a Friday, five days before anyone else gets to hear them. So if you would like that idea, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. But without further ado, I'd like to give thanks to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B, and lastly, Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.